the life of a prophet. So this morning, we're going to get into uh, the prophets, and I, I was trying, you know, I'm searching for some way to make this relatable to everybody as we get into these books that are, you know, how many of you knew that there was a book called like Nahum? You know what I mean? <laughs> Raise your hand, stop it. So, <laughs> but there's, you know, these are some obscure people. And so I'm searching for this way to kind of bring some type of relatability and understanding to those of you out there who maybe don't have any idea what these men did or what they talked about. And I love that. It's one of my favorite scenes in The Office where it's just like there's, there's a lake. He doesn't mean go right now because there's a lake right there. And I love, it's like, it's so Michael, because you're like, stop yelling at me as you're driving into a lake. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because, and I think we've all had these moments where we look back and we say, this direction, this thing seemed so clear to me in the moment. It seemed so right. Oh my gosh, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> as you're swimming out of the lake. And I think there's something that each of us kind of yearns for, that each of us desires in this life. Clarity. Who, who here loves being confused? You know? That's just my favorite thing when I have no idea what's going on. You know, nobody says that ever, ever, ever. People want clarity. People want things to be clear. People, especially men, want simplicity. <laughs> I, just, I just want to, I've reached the point, I've been married for 11 years now, and I, thanks, that's pretty cool. And I've reached the point in this life that I don't care. I just want you to tell me where I'm supposed to go when I'm supposed to go there, and who I'm supposed to say hi to. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm looking for. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm the master of my schedule from like 9 to 4 in the office, and my wife from 4.01 to 8.59. You know what I mean? Like I just, just tell me where, baby. That's all, I, that's all, that's all I'm worried about. And these men, these prophets, were able to share a clarity with God's people in the midst of just, whoa, chaotic times. They were able to share the heart of God. And that was the goal. People wanted to know the heart of God. Now, following it, that was a different story. But God sent these men to bring clarity in times of chaos. And so I, I want to get into who these guys were the prophets are split up into two arenas. So the first being major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And the second being minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, My there's Nahum, for those of you who didn't know that that existed. 
Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is this is the order in the Bible, but it's not the chronological order of, how, like, how these men lived. And so the temptation is to look and think that this event, you know, Isaiah flows into Jeremiah, flows into Lamentation. That's not the way this rolled. That's the chronological order. <laughs> so Jonah was actually like one of the first guys to come on the scene in this age of prophets who flowed into Joel, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, Micah. And we'll get into some of the events that happened during there. But if you were to read, you know, I mean, you read the order that's in the Bible, that's great. But this is actually the order, like the timeline of history right here. And these men had powerful callings for difficult times. And if you read like Isaiah, man, that calling is insane. Like he's just chilling one day. And then he's in heaven. And, and he's, he's in the throne room of God and there's winged beasts flying all around and, and smoke and thunder and light kind of shining up. And, and God calls him into ministry. I need someone to go. And he says, here I am, send me. But I'm, I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. And so an angel comes and takes a burning coal. <laughs> you know? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, these men had powerful callings on their life because the message was the way that you're going into the lake is not good. You should turn up there, not into the lake. And there's so many times that God is like, you're going to talk and they're not going to listen. You're going to speak and nobody's going to care. And you may sit back and you go, what the, why, why, why even say anything then? Because God told them to. And I believe that they had these powerful callings into ministry because of that fact. Because the message that they were going to share, people weren't going to listen to. And doesn't that show, and we'll get into this later, doesn't that show how merciful God is? That despite people not listening, he still gives an opportunity. Still gives an opportunity. Still gives an opportunity. Still gives an opportunity. It's crazy. And so last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I ended on the whole love God, love people thing. And if you weren't here, I want to kind of review that. But Matthew chapter 22, this is Jesus. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So what's the greatest? All of that we talked about this. 613 laws. Which is the greatest? And he said, oh, sorry. I read the last one. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. You get the point. So, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, and with all your mind. Out of all 613 laws, this one is the greatest. But the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, the whole law, everybody say and. Say it again. And the prophets, not just the law, but all of those books of the prophets, all of those prophecies, those letters, two things sum up all of that. Love God, love people. Okay? Love God, love people, which just so happens to be part of the vision of this church. And so all, everything that these prophets say are summed into those two areas. Love God, love people. And some of the things that you hear them say, you're like, oh, that's how? Because they said some harsh things. They said some crazy things. And yet, instead of us ending on love God, love people, this morning, I want us to look at what these men said through that lens. And so I've got four observations this morning, two about God and two about people that we find through the prophets. You ready to roll with me? All right, cool. So observation number one, God is the ultimate authority with unlimited power, whether he chooses to lord that over us or not. Yeah. And I want, if you go, these are just the first 10 books of those prophetic books. And if you look, and I mean, I could have isolated so many different chapters, but these are chapters that just show the power and authority and supremacy and sovereignty of God. And I, I understand that we're kind of, we're like in a grace age, and I get that. But you can't separate the grace of God from the power and the authority of God. Because without that, there would be no grace. A, a, a being with authority, with power, grants grace, grants mercy. And so all of these chapters, and Isaiah, chapter, Isaiah 40 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because I love that God presents himself as this being that said, and we'll go over this later, but who, who is my equal? Who can you compare me to? I don't answer to anyone. God doesn't answer to you. You don't, you answer to God. You have no authority over him whatsoever. And any authority that you and I have He's given to us. And that only exists in the realm of things that he actually wants to have happen. So God is this incredibly powerful being who has all the authority and yet chooses, for whatever reason, to exist within a partnership with you and I far more than what we deserve. I, don't understand, I do not understand it. Because if I was God, it would be like, no. You, no, go over there. I don't want to. <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know? 
But that's why he's God and I'm not. <laughs> and it's, it's this beautiful thing. And I, we're, it was cool because I actually shifted my notes. Listen, if, if you don't come to men's breakfast on Saturdays, it, I mean, it's not every Saturday. Was it the third Saturday? Third? It's, I actually shifted my notes because of this. You know, our table, we got into this really cool conversation we were going over the book of Philemon. That's a book, too, in case y'all didn't know. Okay. <laughs> and, and Paul, here he's talking. There's only one chapter, and he's talking about restoring this runaway slave who's become a believer who's very precious to him. And so this, he's, he's you know, advocating for this slave on the part towards his slave owner who is a brother to Paul. And so there's a part in there, verse 8, he says, Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, I didn't put it in there, but he goes on to say, I'm going to give you the choice. So this is Paul saying, I can tell you what to do, but I'm not going to. (laughs) And then later, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, I will repay it, anything that the slave may or may not have stolen, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Anything he repays, I'll pay back, even though you owe me your life. And it's Paul saying, I'm not going to tell you the right thing to do, but here's the right thing to do. And it's, it reminds me of that relationship with us and God. I have all the authority ever, but I'll let you choose. What? What sense does that make? It, it doesn't make sense for a perfect God whose ways are perfect, whose law is perfect, whose desires are perfect to allow imperfect beings a choice that invites chaos. It, in, it invites disorder. And yet it's the way that he chose for things to work. Because he doesn't lord it over us. But make no mistake of that. That's not weakness. It's how a perfect, all-powerful being chose to let time play its role. And he has every authority to do so. And that, I I don't know why that's the equation, but it is. A loving God with unlimited power add us in and we get more choices than what we deserve. But it's, it's great because he gives us every opportunity and gives us every standard that he has to make the correct ones. Observation two, God has a deep desire for relationship on his terms. And I put this picture up. This is, I didn't put the rest because, you know, there's like, it's like rated R. So I didn't want to. 
insult your sensibilities. <laughs> but God, God has this deep desire for relationship. My wife brought up something. She was doing a study for women's ministry one day, and God is community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He was perfect community before you and I ever came along. He doesn't need us to complete any kind of relationship, but he chooses the same as we have a choice to, to, to have that. And it, it's, an, it's an amazing thing. But it's, how many of you buy into the love language stuff? I'm afraid to raise my hand. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do and don't, but I do understand that each of us are different in the way that we receive love. And so there's like, I mean, I've made it no whatever. I, I am an Apple junkie. I just am. And so if someone comes up to me, I've used this example before, but if someone comes up to me and they're like, Carl, I love you so much. I just wanted to give you a gift. And I go, oh, thank you. And they hand me a bright, shiny Google Play card. And I take it, and I go, what am I supposed to do with this? I, don't, I literally, I don't have anything Google. <laughs> it pays to know the person that you're attempting to love. If you are a back rubber, and your spouse is not, and every time you go behind them and you're like, baby, I love you, and they're like, ah. <laughs> It's good for us to know how to show love to the people in our lives, and everybody's different. Everybody's different. Some people are huggers. Some people are handshakers. You know, the bro, tuck it in, you know? Some people love gifts. Some people love words. I don't like words. I, sometimes I find them condescending. <laughs> you, know? you did a great job. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, I get it. You know, everybody has their different ways. But it's good for us to know how to love people. And listen, it's naive to think that God doesn't have those same ways. God absolutely has ways that he desires to be loved. He absolutely has ways that he wants you to love him. If you love me, you'll what? What is that? You'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I say. That's what Jesus says. These are the words of Jesus. If you love me, you'll follow my commandments. The ultimate form of love that you and I can have for God is obedience. And I know it's like, ah, oh, but, you know, like my day is so long, and, you know, I throw one up to the big guy upstairs. What? If you're married in this room and your spouse decided to throw one up to you at the end of the day, how does that make you feel? Don't got time for you, babe, but I love you. You know, like what? what? Do you now? 
And if we wouldn't dare treat our spouse that way, if we wouldn't dare treat our best friends that way, if we wouldn't dare treat our parents and our children that way, why on earth would we think that we could treat the creator of the universe that way? I'm, I'm going to try to fit you into my busy schedule, God. No. No, no, no. That is not the way that God desires to be loved. That's not the way. Jeremiah chapter 2. This uh, is one of the most heartbreaking passages of Scripture I've ever read. Listen, if, if you read Scripture mechanically, read this chapter because God shows a depth of emotion that is intense. I, I want you to... You know, I'm not one for the whole closing your eyes thing, but go ahead and do that. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 2. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. Listen to this. I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothal, you're following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Listen to this. What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? and walked after emptiness and became empty. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt? I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruits and its good things, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance an abomination. And that's God saying, what did I do that drew you so far from me? God, the creator of all things, is asking mankind, what did I do? What did I do that sent you away? What did I do that caused you to move away from me? When I gave you this, you defiled it. What did I do? And, and God deeply desires, and you'll find this all throughout the prophets, that I would be their God and they would be my people. Not on their terms, on his. And he desires that deep relationship with us, not on yours and my terms, on his. God absolutely has ways that he wants to be loved. And he has every right to dictate that. The same as you do. You have every right to say, this is how I want to receive love, as long as it's, you know, not sinful. <laughs> The authority and the creator of the universe absolutely has that. And we either fall in line with it or we don't. It's, it's that simple. 
observation of people. Okay, we're going to move to people now. <laughs> you and I are not the apple of God's eye, but we are incredibly valuable to him. I know that that's like a ouch moment for some of you. The most important thing to God is God. That doesn't mean that you aren't important. And I think today we kind of get into this all or nothing kind of deal, like you either love me with everything or you don't love me at all. And that's not the case. God, God's ways are the most important thing to him. If not, he'd acquiesce to you. That means he'd give in to you. <laughs> He'd, he'd, he'd say, yeah, yeah, whatever, as long as we can be together. If you were the most important thing, but you are an important thing, I am an important thing, but he, he doesn't go back on his ways. His ways are perfect. Why would he succumb to imperfection and leave perfection? Doesn't make any sense. Isaiah 40 who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult? Who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? The answer is no one. No one. No one's ways are better than God's. No one is better than God. To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. He, the one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Who do you compare me to? No one. No one. There is no one's ways that are greater than God's. God is the most committed to his own way, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't value you and I. He invites us into that perfect way, invites us into those perfect desires, invites us into that perfect will. That's what God does. But seek first his kingdom, First, I'm going to say this, not only, first, and everything else gets added. It doesn't say seek only the kingdom. It says seek first. And as you and I seek the kingdom first, then everything else falls into perspective. The most important thing to God should be the most important thing to us. And that's God. Why else say that? I want you to seek first the kingdom. And your marriage gets put in perspective. And your friendships get put in perspective. And your, your, your sons and daughters and all of that gets put in its proper perspective when God is first. Not only. Everything else falls into place when we view through that lens. 
God didn't want you, him to be the only thing that you love, but you should be the first. And as you love him first, you properly love your spouse and your sons and daughters and the people around you. You and I are not the apple of his eye. He is. And if he's the most important thing to himself, we follow suit in that he's the most important thing to us. And everything else falls in the proper perspective because of that. People are capable of terrible things. <laughs> Show them grace and mercy anyway. So this is the chronological order I'm going to bring up. And I have Daniel underlined there because right around Daniel is when the fall of Jerusalem happened. All of these guys before that were warnings. Stop. Please. Stop. Please. The ten plagues upon Egypt... And we look at that last one and we go, how am I supposed to reconcile with a God who sent an angel to kill kids? Warning after warning after warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. Stop, 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 stop. At some point, you just had to pay the piper. At some point, there are consequences to our actions, even with God. Stop. The amount of grace and mercy that he shows us on a daily basis is fantastic. Ezekiel chapter 33. Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you have spoken, saying, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we are rotting away in them. How then can we survive? God, I'm dying inside. God, I, I, my, my sin, the, my, the mistakes, I, please give me mercy, give me grace. Please say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You and I do. He does not. But rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die? Just listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you to do and you'll live. We can't have our cake and eat it too. What a weird saying. But it, you know? For us to deny people the same grace and mercy that God shows people is to elevate ourselves above him. Man, sometimes we judge harsher than God. They made a mistake. Done. They sinned. <laughs> out. And even God's like, dang, homie, chill out. <laughs> We, 
we don't show the same grace and mercy to people that God does. So many chances God gave his people over and over again, prophets after prophet after prophet, men and women, don't do this, change this. Go. The grace and mercy of sending Jesus, the Son of God, over and over and over again. The, the, the hour is near and that he provides this way, that he provides a way for you and I to come out from being sin and into, listen, salvation is not just about you being good or bad. It's about death coming to life. That's, I mean, yeah, you, you, be, you become hopefully a moral person as you begin to follow God's ways, but it's about you being dead in Christ and then being alive in Christ. That's what that is. You were once dead in your trespasses and sin, and now you're alive. And the grace and mercy over the history of mankind that God has shown us time and time and time again, who are you and I to show anything less to each other? They lied to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Grace and mercy. I'm not saying not to draw boundaries and be healthy in your relationships, but I am saying that there has to be some type of balance in the way that we show grace and mercy to people and giving people the same amount of chances that God did. How many times am I supposed to forgive? Seven? I sorry, baby, you're on number six. I just want to let you know that number seven, we're done. No, 70 times seven. A health, again, healthy boundaries, fantastic. But we have to make sure that we show, show the same grace and mercy to people that God did. Stand to your feet. Uh, these men and women were amazing. And I, I highly recommend that you read. Most of these people's lives were found throughout like First and Second Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah. And I highly recommend reading that, those books because you actually get the perspective of what it was like to say the things that they're saying in the timeline that they're saying them. When kings are evil. And listen, <laughs> when we don't have godly leaders, there's not a godly nation. That's the way it is. And that, that was the case then, too. When there isn't godly leadership, there isn't a godly nation. There may be remnants in there and people that follow his ways. But these prophets over and over again coming to these people in the midst of crazy, crazy times where morality was not much different than today, maybe not different at all, turn back, turn back.
an all-powerful God giving people the choice. Don't do that. I don't want that. This is how you love me. This is how you follow me. This is how I want to be loved. And listen, believer, that has to be the most important thing to you. It has to be how God feels, what God wants, has to be the most important thing to us. And as that flows from our lives, it actually allows us to show people grace and mercy because he did the same thing. These were bold, bold men and women. Bold man. <laughs> and I, I, it's hard to imagine walking. I mean, even people that didn't have books, when you look at the life of like Elisha and Elijah and, you know, all these people just straight down the line, Samuel, like, holy cow. This <laughs> is insane. But that we would be those types of people that will be bold in our faith and what we stand for in the midst of a world where the morality and the worship of God fluxes, that we would be the steady constants. And through that understanding, grace and mercy, we show people grace and mercy. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you that um, your heart is so clear. If we would just look for it, if we don't want to look for it, we won't find it. You know. But if we would just look for for what you have to say, it's there, God. So I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love yourself so much. I thank you that you love us so much. Pray that we would see through those lenses so that everything would be in its proper perspective. Thank you for these amazing people. I pray that a hunger and a thirst for your word and then walking in your word would be birthed inside of all of us or would continue in us. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen, I know this was a heavy altar work as you come forward. I know this was like a heavy you know, whatever, maybe you heard some things that you're like, whoa. <laughs> I, I want to point your attention. Um, a, you know, when we talk, listen to us with an open Bible, you know. And then B, we record a podcast every Monday morning called The Morning After. You can follow it, but we dig even deeper into this stuff. And so, whatever questions you have, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I understand the Bible's a heavy topic, and so don't let the questions that you may have in here sit in here. Go do something about them. I love you all. You need prayer, come forward. You don't go out, enjoy God, enjoy each other. Have a great morning.